You're listening to The Fashion Detour, a show that provides insights into the minds of creatives within the fashion industry. My name is Michal Goldfein, and I'm sitting down with the creators to talk about their processes, their inspirations, and lessons they've learned along the way. very excited because I have a special guest. Her name is Donna Bishop, and she is the host and founder of Fashion Talk, which is a fashion podcast. She is also a columnist for CBC Radio in Toronto. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thanks so much. Of course. Anytime. So I know you do. You're a woman of many hats. Aren't we all? (laughs) So can you um, tell me, how did your interest in fashion begin? So my interest in fashion, I think like so many of us who are interested in fashion, started when I was young and experiencing the joy and freedom and reinvention that can come with clothing. You change your clothes and you can change who you are and how you feel. And that's really what got me interested in in fashion as an industry. And I've certainly taken some detours along the way professionally, but that's definitely the thing that I keep coming back to. And what continues to inspire me is the power of clothing to affect how we feel about ourselves, how others perceive us, and the character and presentation that we bring of ourselves to the world around us and how the world around us help inspire and create the clothes we wear. So it's really like a, um, definitely like a back and forth between the way you, um, you know, the way you interpret the clothing and then the way that the clothing impacts, you know, the world around you. So that's absolutely, that's very interesting. And I think fashion is a, sorry, oh, I didn't mean to cut you off the house. I think fashion is a, it's a cultural product, just like music or film or literature or visual art. And therefore it's a, in constant dialogue with us. We are always, you know, helping shape fashion and fashion is helping shape us. So what, what, was there a point in time because you said that you um, didn't always have a career in the fashion industry where you said, okay, this is my moment. I need to, you know, go get into that, get into the fashion world. Um, that's a good question. I, you know, after graduate, my degree, my education is in film and art history, and I've worked in theater and film production and consumer PR. And I guess that's when I was working in PR, I had some fashion clients or lifestyle clients like Piper Heights at Champagne and The Body Shop where fashion was definitely an element of it. So really touched fashion media for a couple of decades before I entered into it, you know, as a, as a journalist and content creator myself. Um, I worked in the beauty business for a long time. I started a company called Green Beauty in the 
mid 2000s that was the one of if not the first e-retailer in Canada to focus on non-toxic um, natural cosmetics and of course the beauty and the fashion industries are two sides of the same coin so I think it's always been something that has been a part of what I've done professionally and it was really in 2017 when I started doing some work with the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards as part of their um, programming team and really helping them to develop programming that was uh, complementary to the awards gala that they do every year that I was 100% steeped in the fashion industry and it is through that work that Fashion Talks was really born. So have there been challenges along the way? Well, you know, where aren't there challenges, really? But I mean, the fashion industry is certainly not, uh, is no stranger to, <laughs> to challenges. I think it is often a misunderstood industry. I think whenever it's an industry that um, is based on uh, creative thinking or creative energies, um, it can be a challenge. You know, it's a challenge for revenue. It can be a challenge for credibility. It can be a challenge for, you know, and I don't mean myself personally, I, I certainly mean the designers and my other colleagues in media and people who work with such commitment and are so passionate about the industry, but it certainly has, it certainly has its, its challenges like so many um, arts and culture industries um, in Canada and in the States, I'm sure. Yeah. And in terms of you making your way like to the to the through the fashion industry, did you feel like you encountered, um, you know, any of specifically what challenges did you encounter? Um, I think the big challenges are, I mean, certainly, you know, making a living is always a challenge. You know, I've had I've had you know contract work and and other work that I've done as a side hustle. I think the challenge of helping people understand the validity and the importance of fashion is one of the biggest challenges that I come up against in my work. And I think something that the industry has in general is we've become so detached from where our clothes come from. We have, you know, become uh, accustomed or maybe it's a better word is we just assume that brands and designers are the same thing. And that is certainly not the case. There's a whole lot of passion and education and skill and inspiration that goes into designing and constructing a garment of clothes and many, 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 many hands from the pattern makers to the manufacturers to the retailers and a whole lot of other people in between go into that production and help Helping people to realize the economic, the economic importance, the cultural importance, the creative importance, the societal importance of, of the clothes we wear is, I think, one of the biggest and most important challenges because without people understanding and appreciating that kind of significance, it's hard for the industry to survive creatively or economically. So, you know, basically you're saying that there's a lot of, you know, misconceptions out there about how fashion is made, you know, where it's made and, you know, just what goes into the whole process of it. Absolutely. So, and I do, I have 
like I have spoken about this in the past, you know, I've, I've read a lot about, you know, fast fashion and um, all, you know, all of that encompasses. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think that there's still as much knowledge as there is out there. People don't necessarily um, know enough about it or, you know, it's just not explored enough. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, and I think there is, you know, I think people love the idea of style and style you can express whether you are buying mass fast fashion or luxury couture fashion or secondhand fashion. Um, but the fashion industry, the construction, the the technical, the impact, be it economical, be it environmental, like you're talking about, that is where I think there's an immense amount of education and re-education that is important and that the industry would benefit from. So can you describe your role as a fashion columnist for the CBC's radio show? Absolutely. I get asked a lot, how do you do fashion on the radio? (laughs) And the the focus of my column is not trends and what's going down the runway. I often describe it as a fashion column for people who don't realize that they actually are interested in fashion because I take the approach of fashion being something cultural that touches many, many elements of our lives. So examples in in eight minutes or less. (laughs) So examples of segments I've done is my most recent one was on the history of fashion and flight attendant uniforms and going back to the first aviation uh, flight attendants, which were actually air nurses and their uniform was quite uh, militaristic, almost Florence Nightingale in terms of it being Uh, needing to instill credibility and safety and discipline Uh, because, of course, a flight from L.A. to New York took 28 hours. So you wanted to make sure you had, you know, confidence in the people on the plane and how that flight attendant uniform has ebbed and flowed through the decades to where we are now, where there are, you know, the, the designer collaboration with airlines is something that's been happening since the, the late 40s, early 50s, you know, Pucci, Dior, Chanel, Prada, uh, Christopher Bates, Zach Posen, you name them, they've most probably collaborated with an airline such that we have these stunning uh, flight attendant uniforms from the like Hanan Airlines, which Lawrence, uh, you designed and that actually debuted at Parents Fashion Week in 2017. So it's things like that that show how fashion weaves into elements of our lives where people might not think of it as a natural connection. Yeah. And I did listen to that episode and I found it really interesting just how, you know, fashion, um, you know, is influenced by movements and societies and, you know, the women and just like the women, the roles of women at the time. Um, oh, for sure. And uh, I recently learned that, you know, the term bloomers came up I don't I'm trying to remember when it was in in American history but basically women were trying to um you know it was part of one of the reform movements so in American history and Mm -hmm. part of the women's reform movement was that they wanted to wear pants under their skirts and that was seen to be like oh my gosh you know everybody you know people the men men were shocked I'm sure some other women were shocked too but women were just trying to um 
give off that they they had more power and they just wanted to sh- they wanted to like wear not their well I don't know if they wanted to wear their confidence on their sleeve but they wanted to um, assert themselves. Absolutely. Well, and you know, it's about freedom and mobility, right? Like when in that area you're talking about another motivator for that was bicycles. And if you wanted to ride a bike, imagine with those, you know, big cumbersome skirts, like it just wasn't going to happen. So the bicycle was another element of, you know, you could call the bicycle a feminist item perhaps because it really helped promote uh, a different wave of fashion out of the necessity of of having to change what was on your lower half if you were a woman and wanted to ride a bike you know pockets are are another thing you know when you don't have pockets you nowadays you can't carry you know and we're all so excited oh there's pockets in my formal dress or whatever it's you know the best thing ever but you know back in back in you know the 17 or 1800s if you didn't have pockets you couldn't carry your id you couldn't carry money. So, you know, pockets is a really important element of freedom and mobility and power in an article of clothing. So do you think that today's clothing um, is uh, hindering to to any any specific gender? Oh, wow. I mean, I think we're in in many ways a, a time of really exciting progressive innovation when it comes to, you know, looking at gender and clothing, looking at culture and clothing. There are so many, the, the, the scope that I'm making air quotes of what is, you know, accepted is just becoming wider and wider and wider. And I think we live in many ways in a post-trend world where there's no one skirt length or one pant length or one jacket length or one color palette for the times. I mean, I think there will always be tastemakers that inspire people to dress a certain way, but conformity is becoming less and less and less and less of a desired aesthetic. And, you know, more and more people are embracing clothing that is a reflection of who they are individually, not what place they feel they should take up in society. Yeah, and that kind of connects to um, my thoughts about, you know, the modest fashion industry because I am a I dress mo- according to what I think is modest, and mm-hmm. I do think that nowadays it is much modest fashion is more accessible. Um, so it's definitely, you know, uh, it's nice to see that designers and, you know, different brands are kind of uh, embracing modest clothing and they're, you know, just, just giving us more to wear. <laughs> well, and not making assumptions about what that aesthetic should be, right? Like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but just because you choose to dress in a modest way doesn't mean you want to be boring or, you know, not playful or not stylish. Like those, those two things can coexist together. Yes, 100%. So um, in terms of your work for the CAFA, can mm-hmm. you explain what the organization does and your role? 
So the, the CAPAs, the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards, is our national organization in Canada that unites the fashion industry from coast to coast. And it started a little under 10 years ago because we didn't have a CFDA or a British Design Council that unified the industry in the name of celebration and education and, uh, and community in any way. So the CAFAs were started with that goal in mind and with, a, with an awards night to bring the industry together in community and to celebrate uh, the achievements of, of those in the industry. It has since grown to not just be the gala, which is obviously a very exciting night when it's so exciting in any industry when you're, you know, so many of you are all together in, in one room and you get to see people you don't usually get to see because everyone is working so hard. But that has also spun into other programming um, elements. We do a fashion and retail forum with the Globe and Mail. There are other workshops and educational pieces. Uh, Vicki Milner, who's the president, you know, goes to Vancouver or Montreal and Halifax and other places around the country to have symposiums, to have uh, seminars, to bring the industry together to talk about what's working, what's not working, what's important, what's on the horizon, you know, where are economic development opportunities, how can we support uh, regional designers as well as ones that are on a national scale. And of course, it's ever evolving and changing. Um, And my role is with a lot of those programming elements, be it, you know, uh, facilitating discussions at the forum last year when we had Sophie Taylé, um, the designer who was based in New York and recently moved to Montreal. She's from France, or Aurora James from the Brothers Zilas, or um, other you know educators, be it from Ryerson here in Toronto or Parsons School in in New York. So it's really about helping the industry um, unite and and raise us up in the name of collaboration and growth. Wow, it does. It really does sound amazing. I I think the gala sounds amazing as well. <laughs> it's very fun. I'm not gonna lie, and it's so inspiring to see. You know, everyone makes an effort to wear Canadian designers, which you know, before the CAFAs, having everyone in Canada wearing Canadian in one room. Um, I'm gonna say extremely rarely, just in case I'm wrong, but certainly I never experienced it. So it's really. Um, um, lifted the industry in terms of feeling a sense of community and and putting us on the map a little bit. You know, we've been featured in the in the New York Times and other international publications. So to say that, yeah, you know, Canada does have a a fashion industry, and we've got designers that are doing great things nationally as well as internationally, be it Greta Constantine or Erdem, um, and and lots of designers, you know, coming coming up on their heels. Yeah, and uh, in terms of, it's interesting, you know, just talking about definitely it's important to cultivate your, um, the designers and um, the people that are part of the fashion industry in Canada. Would you say there's, this is a style question, would you say that there's um, a difference between the way that Canadians typically dress, between the way that Americans dress? Is there... What do you think about that? (laughs) I I think 
just uh, I think there is regional style aesthetic in any country where there is, you know, urban centers and and rural communities. And you're going to get a, a scope of interesting and exciting uh, style no matter where you go. Um, you know, I had the pleasure of talking with um, Andre Leon Talley a year or so ago, and I asked him about what he thought about the style of people in Toronto, and he said we were fantastically practical. <laughs> <laughs> which which might be um you know a a a broad statement when the climate dictates so much of what your your style choices can be but certainly in in many cities I'll speak about Toronto cuz that's where I've lived the longest you know there's such a multicultural it's such a multicultural city that you see amazing style on the streets uh, that's a smash up of individual style and cultural heritage and you know a sprinkle of your um, you know designer or look of choice on that like I don't think there is one aesthetic just like I'm sure in New York there isn't just one aesthetic it is as varied as the people who live there Yes, a hundred percent. And that's that's the beauty of it that you can you know um, express yourself through the clothes and you know just and you get to you know you get to experience it as you're walking just to see the different different styles. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Absolutely, it's inspiring. Like it's exciting to to see you know you know someone in a beautiful you know corporate suit and a hijab or you know rocking tattoos and an awesome you know kind of streetwear with a turban like there's the 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 gamut of of cultures and aesthetics is part of what is so inspiring and exciting about fashion. So, can you tell us a little bit about how your podcast Fashion Talks was born? Absolutely. So I am a huge fan of podcasts in general. I think audio programming is such an intimate and enjoyable way to to listen to stories, to learn new things. I'm a huge fan of the medium. And I was looking for a fashion podcast because obviously it's something I'm interested in and there really wasn't anything out there. So I started it, you know, it's kind of cliche because I couldn't find that podcast that I wanted to listen to. And when I started it, I focused more on um, having two or three guests and we would talk about a common theme. So maybe it was the uh, democratization of fashion and what made what made the time right for Anna Wintour to put a Christian Lacroix sweater and guest jeans on the cover of Vogue magazine in November 87. What made the time right to do that? Or, you know, what is the arc of the department store and what factors have made that ebb and flow as a desirable place to shop and what kind of experience was that? And I loved having those discussions, you know, sustainability and, you know, in a post-Rana Plaza world, what do we need to be looking at in terms of the social and environmental impact of the industry? Um, uh, which I loved. I also did every once in a while a one-on-one with a designer that I would call a designer spotlight. And it would be half like origin story, half 
inspiration story. So less about what inspires you as a designer and more about, you know, what kind of kid were you? And when did you first realize that fashion was more than just clothes that covered your body? And when you think of yourself, you know, as a, you know, pre-teenage human, what's an outfit that you envisioned yourself, you remember yourself in? And how did that make you feel? And kind of connecting the dots between our relationship, their relationship with clothing and style and how that has been a thread through their career as a designer and maybe not as a designer because lots of designers I've interviewed, you know, designing is maybe their second career. And those were the episodes that I kept getting, you know, more feedback on and, and more downloads on and that I really enjoyed doing as well. And I thought, you know, I think I'm going to invert the ratio and focus more on those one-on-one stories and really get to know the the people who who design our clothes the the CEOs of brands like Nixwear this amazing woman named Joanna Griffiths who is this force of nature in the undergarment business here in Canada to uh, Dr. Alexandra Palmer who is a global globally recognized Dior historian and talking to her about her two books and the impact Dior has had globally on the fashion world be it the impact he had on the French economy because he bought all of his fasteners and everything locally so taking that more intimate approach to looking at the stories behind the designers, artists, leaders, and what, you know, how, how they have helped shape fashion and how the world has helped, you know, that dialogue has been happening with them. So are you sure you're not a psychologist? (laughs) (laughs) Not even. (laughs) Well, no, but it's just interesting to really like, uncover what the you know like what the what the drive is like what's the you know what's like the underlying um for for designers you know what what is there like what is there you know like you said like to connect connect the dots and see you know how you know is there some kind of is there like some kind of theme of something that push them to get to where they are today. And it's just, yeah, it's just very, very interesting. And people remember outfits, right? Like if you ask someone, what is the outfit you remember, you know, your teenage self in men, like I'm going to say every single person I've talked to can recall that with clarity and enthusiasm and detail like it is such a part of of who we are we might not realize it i don't know if it's something everyone is conscious of but it is an incredibly powerful force in shaping who we are and who we become and i think once you realize that you can change how you feel based on the clothes you put on that is an exciting piece of power and freedom to have Yes, and definitely it uh, ties a lot into confidence and just knowing that if you if you think you you look amazing in something, then you're going to exude that confidence. Um, and you know, I think well, that but, it, yeah. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say that just to your point, um, where that comes out almost the most powerfully is when I've spoken with people like Gigi Gorgeous, who's a transgender model and activist, or Mina Gurgis, who is a um, Middle Eastern queer male model, body positive model, and them sharing how 
there was a time where they could not dress in a way that made them feel powerful, like where they had to dress in a way that was not a reflection of how they wanted to feel and how deeply impacting that was as well. You really get a sense of the important power of, mm. of, of dressing. So what, what would you like to see change in the fashion industry? I would love to see fashion recognized as a economic, cultural, societal driver that is celebrated the way we celebrate film and television and music. I would like to see our thirst for fast fashion um, dry up so that we don't contribute any more than we already have to the detriment of our planet and for people to think more conscientiously before they buy something or more conscientiously about from where they are buying it and who and who made it. I would love to see more size inclusivity, not just in the items on the rack, while I think that is incredibly important, but also in the campaigns and mannequins and other visual cues that are part and parcel with the industry. I would like to see more, um, more gender positive fluidity in our stores where we don't have a men's section and a women's section where it is more fluid and shop anywhere. I would like to see more racial diversity in the marketing and campaigns of our of our fashion brands. I would like to see I have a long list. I would like to see <laughs> you know the <laughs> it's a, I know it's a wish list. I'm not I'm not suggesting it's all going to happen tomorrow. Um and I'd love to see um I'd love to see appreciation for you know the garment itself. I think something that young designers run up against is because their price point is a reflection of what their actual costs are, but people can become so accustomed to spending, you know, next to nothing on garments that they are constantly having to rationalize their costs. And people say, oh, but if you're not, you know, luxury brand X, Y, and Z, you know, why are you charging so much? And, you know, that's, that's such a myth because of course they are the ones putting in the the construction the quality hopefully you know obviously yeah. not every emerging designer is a is a home run but just a greater understanding about the about the the time and skill that goes into the creation of clothing wow well thank you so much for all your your feedback and just giving us some insight in, you know, there's just so many, so many aspects to the fashion industry as a whole. And I just really like where you're, I like where you're taking it. So thank you so much for sharing a little bit of that with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been such a pleasure talking to you about this. I think, you know, fashion is culture and culture is fashion. It's no longer just about trends and, and colors and, and hemlines. Yes, definitely. Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Fashion Detour. 
I'm available for personal styling and personal shopping. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can always reach out to me through my email, michal at thefashiondetour.com. And on Instagram, you're welcome to direct message me at The Fashion Detour for any of your shopping and styling needs and questions. Thank you so much and have a great week. Misplaced, and I'm gonna tell you.